Suku Radi is one of the most influential business leaders in our community. The C-Suite, featuring key leaders in Des Moines, and explores the motivations that made them successful and how they're shaping their organizations, our city, and the economy. And it's sponsored by Competitive Edge, advertising specialty manufacturing company, your promotional edge. The C-Suite with Suku Radia. Hi, I'm Suku Radia, retired CEO of Bankers Trust, and joining me is a very dear friend and a very prominent person in our community, Steve Zumba. Steve, thank you for joining. Appreciate your being here. Um, well, glad to participate. Thank uh, you. Steve, you have a really great background, so I'm sure our listeners want to hear your story. Please go ahead. It's a long story, so you're going to have to bear with me. And uh, fine. What I have been is the, the beneficiary of great mentors. Uh, I grew up on a dairy and hog farm in northeastern Iowa. Uh, we got up early in the morning. Uh, we milked the cows, went to school, came back home, milked the cows, had dinner, and by 8 o'clock we were ready to study. We repeated it the next morning, seven days a week. During planting season, we uh, worked late into the night. When I grew older, I ran the night shift. We took one vacation while I was growing up. No one complained. It's, it was simply what, what, what farmers did. And in 1960, I was 10 years old, and that's when farm kids joined 4-H. And I've been the beneficiary of mentors, and that's where I met my first one, an FFA advisor by the name of Garland Ashbacker. It was my first cattle show, and he said, you should enter the judging contest. And I said, well, I'll be competing against high school students. I don't want to do that. And he said, well, I'll work with you. Well, I, I didn't win that competition, but at the end of the show, I got third place. Now fast forward. 1964, August, my mother had a call from Garland Ashbacker. He said, I'm the new FFA advisor at Manchester, and uh, I'd like to talk to Stephen about vocational agriculture. And he came to our home, and we sat around the kitchen table. And uh, he said, Stephen, I think you should take VOAG and become an FFA member. And I said, well, uh, uh, Mr. Ashbacker, uh, I may want to be a lawyer, and I've been involved, uh, advised I should take Latin. If I want to go to law school and be a lawyer, uh, that's what I should do. And he said, well, I've thought about that. And there's this professor at Iowa State by the name of Dr. Neil Harrell, and he is the premier uh, uh, ag lawyer in the country, and you can read his materials, his extension bulletins. That's what you'll study while, you're, while I'm your teacher. And we'll do other things. Uh, you could uh, enter a state speaking contest. Uh, you could be a state president. You could be a national officer. You could do all of those things. Well, fast forward, uh, th four years later, three gold medals in speaking contest. I was state president and on my way to become a national officer. And uh, my Latin teacher hadn't been in the room that night, but uh, thankfully Garland Ashbacker was. And it was great preparation, as he advised. I could do anything. It would be good preparation for law school. So so did you actually meet Dr. Harrell? Well, uh, yes. Garland uh, carried through with his promise. And in the fall of 1968, I was ready to start college. Garland uh, introduced me to Dr. Neil Harrell. And I went to Dr. Harrell's office, and he said, Stephen, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I, uh, I may want to become a farmer. I'll vertically integrate our dairy operation. I'll buy the local dairy, and we'll buy more land. Or I may want to be a lawyer, or I may want to run a big company like Pioneer Hybrid, or I uh, may want to be governor of Iowa or secretary of agriculture. And to my surprise, he said, Stephen, you're not thinking big enough. <laughs> that surprised me because people hadn't told me before that I wasn't thinking big enough. And uh, 
He said, I think you should do what I did. And I, I said, what's that? He said, well, I got my Ph.D. in economics. I got my law degree, and I think you should do both of those. And uh, you should also get your CPA. I didn't do that. And I said, well, that'll take 15 years. I don't have 15 years. And he said, Stephen, you're too impatient. Uh, spend your 20s preparing. Master your skills in your 30s. And by the time you're 40, you'll start having an impact. You'll be a better problem solver with an interdisciplinary background in law, economics, and accounting. Just do it. And he said, uh, you can do it in 10 years. We'll take heavy loads. You'll go to school year-round, and I'll be your major professor in your doctoral program. Well, 10 years later, I had completed the program, and I then went to work for what is now the Bellin Law Firm in Des Moines. That's my story, and that's how I got here. So, Steve, you got the bachelor's degree, the J.D., master's degree, the Ph.D., passed the CPA exam. This was all in a span of 10 years. 10 years. Oh. That's pretty <laughs> you may be the only person in the country who achieved that. <laughs> well, it, I was young, and I had more energy than I do now, so it, it, it seemed to work. But I had the counsel of a mentor that was absolutely committed to making certain that it happened, and he was there with encouragement. Without good mentors, it wouldn't have happened. And, and you know, you've done a great job of mentoring others, and so I understand what you're talking yeah. about when it comes to mentoring. As have you. So and Along the way, you know, I've seen you involved in the community on so many different number of projects, and you've done a great job. So tell us why you feel it's important to be involved, and also give us a little bit more flavor around your involvement in the community. Well, actually, it started in Manchester, where I grew up, and uh, I was fortunate. There were great community leaders, and what I will never forget is, at a stage when this wasn't happening, they merged five school districts, passed three bond issues, new high school, new junior high, new elementary school, all in a period of probably less than 20 years. And uh, we had great teachers. Uh, we had, a, I, by the time my brother graduated, over 800 students in the high school. And our teachers had, in science and math and English, had master's degrees. And there was a PhD. I was a beneficiary of great community leaders that caused all those good things to happen. And then moved to Des Moines in 1975. And there was a vote on the Civic Center. And really, Des Moines didn't look that good in 1975. It was voted down. The bond issue. Community leaders, John Fitzgibbon, Buzz Brenton, David Cridenier, stepped up, brought the business community to the table, raised private sector money, and in a private-public sector partnership, built the Civic Center. And that gave this community a vision of what we could be. Without that, all the great things that have been done wouldn't have been achieved. But it was a combination of the private sector working together with the business sector to get something done. I had no part of that. But what it was was a lesson to me and what my local leaders did when I was growing up, that we all have a responsibility uh, to give back and give back in multiple ways. Talk about your involvement. Well, it started at Iowa State, and I owe much to that school. It, it made me. And I've uh, started in a capital campaign and was the deputy national chair on a campaign four decades ago with Owen Newland, then an executive at Pioneer. And they let a kid sit at the table and help raise money. And when we raised it, it was one of the largest public, private, public sector fundraising campaigns in history. Then I went on to economic development here in the, the community. It was a natural. It was my background. 
we started at the Greater Des Moines Chamber of Commerce. But probably the thing that happened with the good work of others is that we later realized that we needed to consolidate our economic development organizations. I think we had four or five of them. Consolidated it into one, raise money so we'd have enough money for a strong economic development, and that was the formation of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. And it's truly one of the reasons our community has done so well. Uh, later, it was culture and the arts and having the opportunity to work with others to start Bravo, which helps create a great cultural environment uh, for our community, a passage of the local, uh, getting a piece of the local option sales tax, private sector fundraising, and that's one of the reasons our community does so well. It's a great place to live because there are good things to do. Later, I served as a United Way chair. Uh, human services is an important part of any community. And that was, uh, was, uh, was really the final piece of part of the community I've worked on. I've been in the good position to have had the opportunity to work in really all aspects of uh, public service in our community. For the sake of clarity, I have to inform our listeners that you don't give yourself enough credit. A number of these things, like Bravo, for example, and the formation of the partnership, you were really leading the charge and did an absolutely superb job of getting all these people together. So I really applaud what you've been able to achieve, Steve. Steve, as you think about if you were to talk to somebody about what, what, what piece of advice would you have for somebody who aspires to be successful? First, you need to be prepared. And that is to get the training and the skill sets you need. But it's not just starting with the training, college or uh, area community college or uh, technical training. Get good training to start with, but then it's lifelong learning. And the learning that you got in the beginning is not enough, and particularly in a technology age. So train and retrain in life. Also be prepared to fail. We all start out with high aspirations. But in life, as you move forward and you want to succeed, you are going to fail. And it's how you deal with failure more than anything else is going to define how well you do. When you do fail, pick yourself up, determine why you failed, what went wrong, and then just with grit and determination, try to do better the next time. What would you like to do next, Steve? Well, uh, uh, I know you're not done yet. <laughs> I, no, I'm not. I still, we're, <laughs> right now, we're, uh, my wife Kathy and I are the honorary co-chairs of the uh, Iowa State University ISU Forever $1.1 billion capital campaign, and that'll end in 2020. And both Kathy and I owe a lot to that university. So it's important with diminished state funding uh, that we have even higher private sector giving. So our passion and soul will be in that for at least the next uh, three years. After that, I, I'd like to take a step back, uh, reflect on life. And I've had the opportunity to uh, uh, meet and work with many wonderful people. And certainly, Suku, you're at the top of that list. And what I would then like to do is, based on the learning that I've gained from those remarkable people, is write mm -hmm. about what I've learned. And I'd like to put that in a form of a book, not for publishing, but in a form of a book I'd like to give to my family. And the best gift that I could give to my family is the learning that I've gotten in life from the people I've had the privilege to work with. So it's, it's a book about the people I've met and worked with. I would simply encourage you to publish it because I think it would be fascinating reading. <laughs> um, Steve, you hire a lot of great young lawyers, very bright, um, 
Can you just give us a sense? What, what, what sort of qualities do you look for? We look for very, very high skills. But this is really learning you could have for any type of organization you have. Get the best people. And in our case, we hire the best students from the best schools in the country. But having skills or being smart isn't good enough. And what I'm stunned by is we can have very, very smart people, but they're not problem solvers. They can process information. They can learn facts. But given a problem that hasn't been solved before, how do you solve it? And they can't deal with it. So there's an extra gear they have to have, and that's to solve difficult problems. Third thing, they have to be good people. And those are people that are not necessarily thinking of themselves, but put the good of the organization ahead of their own. And in ordering of what do we want first, I don't want someone that's self-centered pursuing their own agenda to the expense of the others. I want people that give more of themselves to others. That's number one, good people. Then I want problem solvers, and then I want smart people in that order. That is terrific. Steve, is there anything I haven't asked you? Uh, no, I don't think so, and I think maybe the only thing I've commented on, our relationship goes back over four decades, and it's remarkable, and I think I've been fortunate to have friends like you, Suku, and so it's a, at this stage of our lives, it's fun having a type, an opportunity like this to tell the story. Thank you. The feelings are very mutual, and I really appreciate your taking the time to be here, and all the best to you, sir. The C-Suite with Suku Radia, sponsored by Competitive Edge, advertising specialty manufacturing company, your promotional edge.